We're talking about Kingsway values. Has anybody got the glare? Oh, yeah. So I'm going to need your grace today. Are you ready? Today, we're going to be doing some new stuff, okay? And so I promise you this. It will all go wrong, okay? It probably will not all go right. Some of you won't be able to see anything by the end of this message because you're just going to be getting the glare off this TV. So if you need to move, all right, that's okay. We are working on it. See, there we go, Jeff. I appreciate your boldness. Look at that. I could see your face really well. <laughs> Now, here's the fun thing. This is me. If you remember nothing else I say today, I want you to realize that we are talking about Kingsway's values intentionally. And the value that we're talking about today is this. And I don't have to turn that way. See, I almost did it anyways. It's this one. We, we value experimentation or we embrace experimentation. Oh, the gospel one. I, I'm, I'm jumping over that one. It's okay. Jump over it. Get to the value. We can do it. We believe this. Everybody in here believe this? I believe this. This is absolutely our core. And our value for today is absolutely, we embrace experimentation and change, boom, <laughs> to reach people for Jesus. And this message is timeless, but the method has a shelf life. Okay? Uh, this message is timeless, but the method has a shelf life. And the reason that that's really important is because if you're like me, I am a creature of habit. I am a creature of habit. How many of you in here, if you go to a restaurant, you order the same thing every single time? Anybody? Anybody listening? Okay, we'll just check. Anybody listening? All right. Who are the people that change it up every single time? I want to see you. I want to see you. Who, who changes it up? Never order the same thing. Those hands just went down. I'm so, don't be nervous. It's okay. You're all wrong, but I'm proud of you. All right? I'm proud of you. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, it's true though. Like there's some of us that this is a natural thing. And for me, if you force me to order something different at a restaurant, I'd be going to a lot of different restaurants. All right? And what's difficult about that is when I say it as silly as a restaurant, that's fine. But then when it comes into our churches, a lot of times we do the same thing. We run to the places that we feel comfortable that teach it the same way, that talk about it the same way, and are afraid to change or experiment. And why this is important, and you can go back to the one before, and I'm so sorry, Kelly, it's my fault, not yours. The importance of this is this, that we know this, our identity as a church will be what we choose to value. And we will do this intentionally or unintentionally. We will do this intentionally or unintentionally. We will, we will figure that out by either viewing what's comfortable or being intentional about saying we will embrace change and experimentation. Because we know this, our values determine our direction, um, determine our, our direction by determining and correcting and defining that direction. So what's, what's cool about this is by, by declaring it, by saying, no, we're about experimentation. We actually are going to embrace change. We're declaring that there are going to be some times when things don't quite work right. When things are looking and you're like, whoa, what is that? Some of y'all have been hit by a finger dart in this room. Who's been hit by a finger dart in this room? Who has no idea what that is? Yeah, we shot Nerf darts in this room at each other at one point. All right, some of you, that's crazy. Who was in a false uh, snowball fight a few Christmases ago? We had fake snowballs, and we just threw fake snowballs at each other. All right, yeah, that happens in here. So y'all are freaking out right now. We experiment, and we go for it, and it's a part of who we are. It's a part of who we are as a church. It's a value. Now, when it snowballs and finger darts, it's easy. 
But when it's something that goes a little bit further and presses into sometimes some things that you're like, wow, that's changing this, or that's switching up this, or I don't like the way that sounds or looks, or you had to sacrifice something else to bring something else in, that can be a challenging, sacrificial part of our value. But to me, it's worth it every single time because the message never changes, but the method has a shelf life. So if this is our value, I just want to point out three quick things. Here's the thoughts. Change and experimentation. It, define that however you want. You recognize this really quickly. Change and experimentation means change. A lot of us don't like that. Experiments seem sometimes they go wrong. I have some illustrations that we're going to do up here. We'll see if they work, okay? Uh, the message is timeless. That's really changing the gospel. We are not removing Jesus from the center of the need of everyone's heart. We are not removing any part or issue that has come up that we do not agree with. We are sticking with the truth. But the method has a shelf life. The method has a shelf life. So I want to I reveal this to you and show you how this looks, but I want to use just a couple illustrations from the Bible. Acts 17 has just one of the most brilliant ones, um, and it's right over here to my right. Uh, in Acts 17, Paul is going around, and he is touring for the first time with this gospel message. So the message is brand new. It's timeless, but it's brand new for the whole world. And he gets to this place called Athens, and in Athens, they have very strict ideas of religion. So you can only bring up religious ideas that have been established as needed additions. So that means this. You can't just come in with your wild and crazy ideas and just throw it in. All right? They have this whole place called the Oropagus, or the Oropagos. I can never say it right. It's, a, it's basically a stadium for theology discussions. They have these truth discussions. It's this place that you would go and you would stand before a crowd of people who are wise, who have thought through all these things, and you would present your ideas to the crowd. So Paul gets to Athens, and his normal way of doing things, of going to the tabernacle, or going to basically the Jewish temple in that place, and then actually going out to the Gentiles in the courts, didn't work. They were like, hey, you can't present this here. You have to come over and give us more of the depth. And so in, in chapter 17, we have this happening. Paul then stood up in front of the meeting of the Arapagosi. I can never see it. I'm just going to skip it. I, I practice, but it doesn't matter. And, and said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. He's going, look, I have seen the temples. I have seen the statues. I have seen your religious ceremonies. I have walked around and recognized that you are deep thinkers. For I walked around and looked very carefully at your objects of worship. I even found an altar. This is how you know they're religious. I even found an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. So you're ignorant of the very thing you worship. This is what I'm going to proclaim to you. See the backdoor method of the gospel here. He goes, oh, I can't present a new idea. But I didn't. I found the unknown God. And so he goes, I'm just going to tell you who this God is. 
And he proceeds to tell the entire gospel. That God is the God that created the very objects you worship with. He's the God that created all things. You make your items of worship out of gold and silver and stone. Guess who created gold and silver and stone? Guess who's a God that saw you as more precious than anything precious in this world and chose to sacrifice the thing that was so precious? And he's like, and they proved it. And he proved his power over even death. And he resurrected his son so that you and I would no longer live in fear. And it's like, oh, and this message, not paraphrasing, but the message is basically to bring them to a place of going, holy cow, resurrection power. Now, for most of us in here, we don't have a statue of the unknown God in our house. All right? Now, we could label it a bunch of more modern things. Uh, we might name it Netflix or dinner table, or Chipotle. Uh, We might name it certain things, right? We might put it, but we don't have a place where we just kind of label maybe some belief system we're not sure about, and we just go, let's just put an altar in our house that just is kind of a catch-all. We don't do that. So for most of us, this method to introducing the idea of the gospel has a shelf life. It no longer connects with us. But at the time, it caused so much debate that they actually asked Paul to come back and talk further. Wait, we, we, we get what you're trying to say. This is crazy. This would change everything. We're going to need you to come back and talk to us more. It was the power of the gospel. So for us, though this message is timeless, the method has to have some refreshment, some change. So over the courses of years here at Kingsway, uh, we've done a lot of things. Uh, I I brought a few of them up here on stage. Um, We we did uh, one with these pots. Um, You guys may never have seen this one. Uh, We did it with pots, and I actually didn't even do it with you. I did it with the youth. Uh, We played this crazy game uh, where I I brought a pot up like this, and, and then I said, all right, you're getting groups of seven, and uh, you're going to go out, and you're going to smash your pot. But right after you smash your pot, just know the game is the first group to put the pieces back together wins. All right? So you can imagine they're trying to break it into the small amounts of pieces as they can. They tried really hard. Guess what? At the end of the day, it really didn't look much like a pot. In fact, most of them couldn't hold any water. I poured some water in, and I talked about, this doesn't seem like a pot. It's really kind of only broken. And then at the end of it, I just said, really, this is just worthless, and I smashed all their pots. And you would have seen a riot, all right, about went nuts on me. But then I looked at them, and I said, the gospel is not about putting broken pieces back together to healing Humpty Dumpty. The gospel is about receiving a new pot in Jesus. Unblemished, perfect, whole. It's not about you trying to look good in front of others or undo the cracks and crevices. It's about recognizing you need, you need a new start, a new life in Christ. And I know for some of you that were actually there, that, that might have stuck with you, right? And some of you are even married. I think they're in this room <laughs> that were there when that happened, which is crazy. For others of you, that you might remember something a little different than a pot. Uh, you might remember these. 
talked about a few years ago. Our church had some debt. And we talked about how God does not want us to live in debt. We want to be free of that. We want to believe that God is big enough to release us for future ministry. That his plans are bigger than Visa, bigger than a bank. And we want to be free of that. And so we asked God to break our chains, to free us. And guess what he did? He broke our chains. And these no longer are on us anymore. We are the message of the chains is not meant to be for just debt of a building. It's meant to be an illustration for you and I. The debt that we owe Christ is not something we can pay back. It is something we are released from. We overcame and walked through by discipline and believing that God could do it. And guess what? As a community, God has done it. And the future ministry that we have the opportunity to do, let me just tell you, it's incredible. We can give. We can see future generations that will walk in this building and they won't even know the sacrifice. They won't even realize the work that has been done before. Much like Jesus has freed us from previous work undone. But I think even further than that, uh, I think of a little stone. 2011. Anybody got one of these? Yeah. This is old school, all right? 2011. Whoa. Some of you are like, okay, youngin', chill out, you know? (laughs) But, But here's the thing. In 2011, we did our first God is Faithful series at the first of the year in January. And in the first of the year of January, we pause before we move into the next year and we give thanks for God's faithfulness in the year present or past because we believe this, God's past faithfulness is proof for his future faithfulness. And we cannot debt-free. We were in a transition as a church. We were in a place where we saw lots of opportunities, great things out in front, but no specific direction or path. And we just chose to believe and trust that God is. And so we held these stones and we believed that God was going to be our rock and that we would remember his past faithfulness just like the Israelites did crossing the Jordan into the promised land. So cool, right? So unbeknownst to you, you've actually had experimentation and change Be a part of our culture, whether you're in 2011, whether you're here in the youth group, whether you've been a part of our Unchained campaign, you were a part of some of the experimentation to say, hey, the message is never going to change, but the method is timeless. But we're not done. We're never going to be done. We're learning new tools. We're figuring out ways to figure out methods that would be more accurate for you. If you're watching online or you get a chance to watch online, you now have me in one shot and what we're talking about. If you're standing up here and you're like me, if I can see it and hear it at the same time, it makes a big difference. But if I can see it, X. If I point at a word and all of a sudden that word jumps off and it makes sense to you and now you have it right here visually, it all of a sudden the message hasn't changed but the method drove it home intentionally. Do you think this stage design's on accident? Think it's just supposed to look pretty for you? 
You think we have these things drawn up like this just to look? No, it's supposed to create, when you walk in, an atmosphere that we're prepared, that we're ready, that God is at work and doing great things. And that this is supposed to get you to a place where you say, there is creativity, beauty, and incredible intentionality in the way that God has dreamed up and done things, not only in my life, but hopes and dreams for yours. And this is supposed to create an atmosphere of worship, an expression. Yeah, it's cool and it's amazing, and every time I want to play those like a guitar, just harps it up, you know? I do. But it's intentional. It's experimentation. You guys might have come in and gone, why in the world are those guys so high on the left or right that these are just playing up in the clouds? It's experimentation. It's change. It's to draw you in, make you think, to be a part. I don't have an unknown statue to grab in your life. The unknown God. I can't just pull it out. But But I do have... These colorful balls. Okay? If you're like me, uh, most days I feel so tired and just beat down and depressed and hardships with the things that maybe I've been fighting for years or maybe things that I've just recently recognized. These could be things like anger outbursts. This could be things like a habit that nobody else knows. Uh, This could be things like the way you parent when nobody else is watching. This could just be uh, a small way that you spend your money that you know is wrong. Uh, This could be just small words that slip out every now and then. Uh, These could be all kinds of major things to a broken relationship, unforgiveness, gossip, all the things in your life that you're like, I wish I was a different way, but I just can't seem to stop and I don't know how to stop. And so, so many times we come into church and we're hoping that church is just a place that other people cheer you on while you try to get rid of all your balls, right? Like, oh, I can do this. I I can do this. I I can do this. And the problem is you get a few out and then the next week happens. And what happens? You do it again. You do it again. You do it again. Another thing comes in. Another thing's added in. And look, this guy tried to get away. He's not going to make it. So it feels like a rat. In Romans, where he says, Paul says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you read verses like in Philippians when Paul says, like, there's a peace that surpasses all understanding. And you're going to be transformed. I'm trying to work on my life. I want this full life. Why can't I get there? And everybody around you just smiles and waves. Everybody around you pretends like it's okay. And you just say, I'm fine. But in the back of your mind, What if I told you the gospel is not meant to be lived this way? What if I told you the full life that we're talking about weekly here? And why we say the method needs to be changed? Why we say the message is timeless? is because in the back of my mind, I know that it's about what's in me that matters most. It's about what God is up to in my life that does the work. It's about what he wants to do in my heart and the way I think about others, the way I talk to others, the way I forgive. He's at work. And then I watch him as he brings other people into my life. 
Other people that don't just speak condemnation or critique, but genuinely want to see me healed and grow. And they don't offer wisdom from human eyes or ears or mouths. They offer something deeper and bigger. And unbeknownst to me, I feel my life begin to transform. Unbeknownst to me, I feel something changing on the inside. And for my heart and for yours, you know this. Every day that I sit in the quiet and I listen to the voice that speaks above my actions, that speaks above my transgressions, that speaks over me and the brokenness that I have in my life, and I listen to that voice that never fails, I watch my life be transformed. And it's in those moments, you guys, it's in those moments that I realize the fullness I'm seeking is not in my brokenness being taken care of by myself or my sin being removed by my own actions, but it's trusting in a God that is faithful and true. <laughs> Told you. Told you. You guys, when Peter stood up in front of the first group of people that got to realize the full message of the gospel in Acts chapter 2, and he stood in front of the crowd and he laid it out for them and he said, you guys, this is so much bigger than the law. This is so much grander than what you've been told. It's the, it's the finished story. It was what God was driving to. It's so much better than just trying to stop doing bad things. the guy that came to do it and to make it right you and I our bad things killed him we killed Jesus our actions what we chose to do but instead of seeking pure justice he offered sacrifice and offered justice in the form of himself wholly completing the debt that you and I owed God. And in that moment, in that moment, the relationship that was blocked was so incredibly full with other things is now pure, clear, and present. And when Peter gave this speech, I love what the response of the crowd was. Because the message is timeless, and I see myself when I hear this. This is what it says in Acts chapter 2. And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. Cut to the heart. So they said to Peter and the apostles, Brothers, what should we do? And Peter replied in a moment, Repent, which does not mean turn from your bad things. That is a horrible translation. It means turn to the one who has saved you. Let him pour into you. Let him wash over you. Repent and be baptized. It means that when you turn to God, you naturally turn away from the other things. You put God back in his proper place, his perspective. Repent, and every one of you, that is huge, every one of you, 
in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. You guys, you may walk in here like you did a couple months ago and see cards hanging from the ceiling. Ropes all over the place. Can't see anybody on stage. You may walk in here and you might find finger darts all over the floor. You may walk in here and you might find a glaring. But I hope and pray that as a church, we embrace experimentation. We embrace experimentation because experimentation is what reminds us that the message is timeless the method will not be. The message never changes, but the method will. I hope and pray as we talk through these things and you think about this, that you are ready when things are a little different to embrace it. When the method is a little off and you don't quite connect with it as well, I hope you in the back of your mind go, that's probably someone else's unknown God. And I hope in the back of the mind, when things don't go quite right, or things go well, that you'll embrace that the message has been true for 2,000 years, and it continues to be powerful. And we will embrace that, and we will teach it the method that has the greatest impact with the power of that timeless message. Pray with me.